Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Hello and welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. My name is Laszlo Ander, I'm the Secretary General of FEPS, and I have uh, the pleasure today to welcome our special guest, Nadia Calvino, who is the Vice President of um, the Spanish Government and also Minister of the Economy and Digital Transformation. This is the, really a great pleasure for us. Uh, Minister Calvino, welcome to this program. As we speak, this is the first anniversary of the Great Lockdown. Since almost immediately after the pandemic hit uh, Europe, we had to understand that the European economy is going into a recession. And uh, quickly afterwards, we saw that probably the Spanish economy is one of those hardest hit by the new crisis. What kind of economic strategy could you work out against this recession and also to accelerate a recovery? Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a great pleasure for me to be able to share some thoughts with you on, on the very tough times that we have been living for the last year and the outlook for Spain and for Europe as a whole. Indeed, uh, almost one year ago, we went into a massive lockdown. Spain was one of the countries that was hardest hit because of the important weight of those sectors that are most directly related to interpersonal contact. And obviously, the lockdown had a very negative impact on the tourist uh, sector, on restaurants, bars. And this is an important part of the Spanish economy. Uh, from day one, we realized we needed to take a very active approach, uh, trying to anticipate the problems and uh, setting into motion a, a safety net for companies and for citizens, in particular for self-employed workers, in order to avoid that Spain would suffer the crisis that we have seen in previous occasions. The GDP drop last year reached 11%. This is unprecedented. But thanks to the safety net, we managed to preserve employment. We have finished the year with an average unemployment rate of 15.5% which is also incomparable to the heat uh, that the labor market uh, suffered in previous uh, crises. And we have been able to also preserve the economic tissue and the family income so that we have a, a solid basis for the recovery. Now, going forward, our priorities are very clear. First and foremost, fight the pandemic, deploy vaccination, accelerate this process because health and economy go hand in hand. Secondly, continue to support companies and families so that we can face the, the tough weeks that we still have uh, ahead. Thirdly, ensure a well-coordinated and strong fiscal policy and monetary policy that work hand-in-hand hand to support the economic recovery and, and job creation. And finally, implement and deploy as soon as possible and as efficiently as possible the investments and reforms in our recovery plan. Europe has provided a very strong response. This has been indispensable and, and paramount to protect ourselves until now, and Europe will continue to be an important element supporting us in the recovery. Indeed, um, I agree that it's very important to highlight that somehow the European coordination frames what uh, 
member states can do, uh, especially in the Eurozone. But um, I cannot resist the question um, at this point. How do you compare the current crisis response to the previous one? Because we both had the experience in Brussels to deal um, with the previous crisis when Spain held the record with uh, mass unemployment, uh, sadly, and it was not possible to prevent uh, at that time, um, it looks. But now you managed to stop the rise of unemployment. Did the European intervention help or was the European crisis response you know, faster, better calibrated this time around as compared to the previous crisis? Absolutely, Laszlo. I, I think that the European response this time has been the right one and very different to the one we lived in the previous financial crisis. Uh, Since the spring last year, there was very strong coordination of the economic policy response throughout the whole EU. And there was a very efficient and fast uh, reaction to set in place a number of uh, financial support instruments, which were new, which uh, were not easy to set in place, but that we managed to have already by the summer. Uh, And I want to, to pay tribute in particular to the fact that we have established the new instrument, SURE, which is the embryo of a reinsurance scheme Mm -hmm. for uh, unemployment. This is something that you and I have been uh, defending for a long time. The socialist family has been pushing to create this uh, instrument at the European uh, level. And I am particularly proud, I think, that this time around we have managed to set in place not only backstops for the banks, but Mm. backstops for the people. Uh, And this is paving the way, I think, for the very strong recovery plan, uh, which has a more mid to long term uh, scope and and influence. And I think that, you know, it's very important for European citizens to know that Europe is there to support them and to help them in these moments, extraordinary situations such as the one we are living through. So you would say that the short instrument is not the end of the road in terms of European safety nets? but perhaps the beginning, which would need to be followed up by a proper reinsurance of national unemployment schemes. Yes, I think it is the the, the first step in the right direction. It is an embryo. So far, it has already provided us with financing in very good conditions, thanks to the AAA rating of the European Union. And we have uh, already received the funds and we have been able to provide, in the case of Spain, more than 40.8 billion euros we have mobilized uh, in the short-term work schemes and support for self-employed workers and other instruments. And uh, working hand in hand with Europe, I think that we need to, to pursue this path because we need to ensure that the recovery is not only strong, Mm-hmm. Uh, but also sustainable from three points of view, financial, environmental and social. Mm-hmm. There is no financial sustainability without environmental and social sustainability. And this time around, I think that we are all aware and the whole of Europe has understood that uh, this is the right way forward. You have been praising uh, Next Generation EU, which I agree is well deserved. But the question is whether it is enough, because last summer, when the you know, main figures, the envelopes were created, there was a certain understanding about the first wave of the crisis, but a lot of uncertainty about the second and perhaps the third one and the economic damage uh, this has uh, been doing. So do you think uh, at some point in 2021, the EU would again need to reflect about uh, you know, uh, whether, whether the next generation EU is sufficient or not? Well, I think that for the time being, this is a a, a huge amount of of investment. It is an unprecedented instrument in that 
we will be borrowing together to invest together in our shared future. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that this is, uh, you know, a very important uh, example of solidarity also, of being all of us on the same boat. And these 750 billion euros is a, is, a, is a very important amount of investment we will be mobilizing. In the case of Spain, we're speaking about 140 billion euros between now and 2026. We want to front load these investments because we need to kickstart the recovery already in 2021. And we're working day and night to finish a recovery plan. I hope that it will get adopted in in June. That is the plan. Mm -hmm. And therefore that the funds will start flowing in the second part of the year. But we're not uh, waiting for this approval. Actually, we have embedded already in the budget for 2021, 27 billion euro investment plan aligned with the recovery plan and with the priorities which have been set at European level in order to ensure that uh, as soon as possible, we recover the rhythm of growth and most importantly, job creation. I accept that next generation EU is a giant leap in a European context, but let's apply a transatlantic comparison because just like in the previous crisis, um, when we saw that the US was doing all the fiscal and monetary expansion that is possible on earth against the recession and for a job-rich recovery. Again, this spring, the new US administration is coming forward with something really extraordinary. So what is a giant leap in European terms is almost just a small step if you look at what the Americans uh, can do and are doing. Should this be a kind of inspiration for us, what the US uh, can do, of course, knowing that it's a proper federal state, which the European Union is not? Well, I think that we should not only consider next generation EU when we talk about the European response. Uh, First and and foremost, I think that the reaction of the ECB this time around has been uh, instrumental to ensure Mm -hmm. financial stability, which is indispensable for all of us to be able to take the right decisions in these uh, troubling times. Also, the um, financing that was provided since the spring last year has been important uh, with the new instruments that we were referring to a moment ago. And the coordination of fiscal policy and the fact that recently, well, actually this Monday, we had the Eurogroup and we have taken the recommendation of the European Commission to keep an expansionary fiscal stance also in 2022. So at national level, the actions of the different countries, I think that all Also, they will reinforce each other and bring an important push for the recovery. So, you know, all in all, I think that we have the right tools uh, in place right now. But we need, of course, to continue to act in the same direction, grow in the same direction in order to ensure that the recovery is strong and it is sustained in the mid-run too. May I ask you to come back a little bit to the social dimension? Because you stressed the importance of um, this um, in your previous answer. And Spain, in a way, uh, distinguished itself uh, already last spring by rolling out uh, a minimum income scheme, which was very innovative. How could you do this in this recessionary time? Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more how many people have been reached or whether you still see gaps which you might be working on? Yes, we, uh, until now, the safety net in in social security system in Spain was very much focused on the labor market. Now, the the minimum income scheme that we have set in place since last year is a very innovative, much more modern approach because it is not only focusing on workers, it is focusing on persons and families. And with a 
clear target in uh, reaching families with children, you know, fighting child uh, poverty. It is an anomaly, you know, a rich country such as Spain cannot have poor children. This is something that, that we cannot afford, we should not accept. And that is why we have deployed this innovative uh, instrument but also complementing other safety net tools, for example, the short-term work schemes, which have covered 3.4 million workers, you know, at the height of the crisis. Even now we're around, we're covering around 800,000 workers, although the numbers are luckily going down quite fast now that the third wave is, is also backing away. So these new instruments, I think the minimum income scheme is foreseen to be a permanent a tool which will uh, allow Spain to fight inequalities in a more efficient manner. And the main challenge that we're confronted with is that we're trying to reach people which are not normally integrated in the formal economy. We have uh, a lot of people who live in, in the same uh, house, several families, who are not normally having access to the uh, social security instruments, who are not participating in the labor market. And it is proving to be very challenging to get the data and to get the right information to target our support. But we are determined to overcome these hurdles and to ensure that the money reaches those that are most in need, most vulnerable, because we cannot afford that this crisis uh, as happened with the financial crisis is hitting most vulnerable groups, and in particular, women and, and next generation, the young, you know, who need to ensure and to feel that the public sector is there to support them and to provide them with a, with a bright future. Um, absolutely. And once we speak about the next generation, um, in concrete terms, it's about the recovery. And um, since uh, you're also Minister for Digital Transformation, uh, can I ask how you see the new recovery, the new business cycle being different, thanks to a strategy to move ahead with um, the digitalization, the introduction of uh, all new technologies in uh, the economy? What kind of this difference this can make in the period? Ahead. I think that definitely it's very good that we have a shared roadmap in Europe, that all countries are going to be investing in the same priorities and that those priorities are clear. In the case of the Spanish recovery plan, we have four top priorities, uh, levers for transformation. One is green. Mm -hmm. We need to adapt our economies to fight the climate uh, change and also to, to take the opportunities that this transformation can, can give in terms of quality jobs for the future. Secondly, digital. Digitalization is a process that was already uh, ongoing, which has accelerated exponentially due to the crisis. And we need to ensure that our companies, our SMEs, citizens are able to cope with this new digital reality. Mm -hmm. Thirdly, uh, social and territorial cohesion. Uh, the uh, inequality in territorial terms in Spain is, is uh, increasing very much. There are parts of our country which are depopulating very, very fast. And we need to uh, ensure that all citizens in the whole country are able to access these opportunities. And then finally, gender equality. I think that probably Spain is the only country that has placed gender equality as one of the top four priorities because the uh, participation of women in the market, in politics, in our societies is absolutely indispensable, not only from a social fairness point of view, 
but also because we have to take and, and profit from uh, the talent uh, and the contribution of 100% of our societies. And that is why we consider gender equality to be a great opportunity. You know, some recent studies consider that GDP in Spain would be 18% higher if we close the gender gap. We're absolutely determined that men and women uh, take part in this economic recovery, and we're going to uh, put all our focus, investments, and reforms going in, in this direction. I see. I think we can read this as pillars of a progressive agenda, which others should also uh, look at. Uh, but my final question would bring us back to the Brussels debate, if you agree, because uh, in Brussels, in the meantime, while the EU is trying to provide a favorable framework, there is obviously a discussion about fiscal rules, right? So, you know, one of the first reactions of the EU last year to the pandemic was to relax the fiscal rules, but there is a timely and legitimate discussion about what kind of fiscal rules we should return to. And when exactly? Would you like to share with our listeners your thoughts about this question? Indeed. Uh, I think we have been uh, focusing until now on what was most urgent. And the most urgent thing was to activate this escape clause to allow member states to pursue these expansionary fiscal policies. Uh, I think in, in this regard, it's very good that there's unanimity. Uh, and this unanimity has been confirmed this very week that every member state, all of us, we consider that this is the right way forward in 2021 and 2022. But now, we also need to start working on the review of the fiscal rules because the reality that we're living in is very different to the reality that was there when, when these rules were designed. And not only, but, but also importantly because of the low interest rate environment. And I think we have to have an open mind and review these rules and start uh, this reform, uh, not in a haste, eh, but in parallel with the, with the policies that we will be deploying in the, in the next couple of years, so that when the escape clause uh, comes to an end and we have to go back to implementing uh, the Stability and Growth Pact, the rules are the right ones for the next uh, decade, you know that we don't go back to rules which are no longer responding to the reality and to the needs of European citizens. Thanks very much uh, for uh, this wise answer. And um, with this, I would like to thank you for coming to our program. Nadia Calvino, uh, Vice President of the Spanish uh, Government, um, has been uh, with us uh, today. And indeed, uh, we got a picture about the progressive strategy of uh, the Spanish uh, government, which should be an inspiration in many ways, what we heard, but also on issues which we had no time to discuss uh, today uh, for the entire European progressive family, because with this approach, I believe Spain itself will emerge stronger from this uh, crisis, but hopefully uh, the entire European Union too. Thank you so much uh, again, and hope to see you on various FEPS programs in the future as well. Thank you very much and my best wishes and regards to all the old people listening to us. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag FEPSTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned.